Hello there and welcome to Talent and Growth, the podcast dedicated to all things talent attraction and talent retention. I'm your host, Paul Church. I'm also the founder of the Anemo Group. And today we are talking to Tash Grossman. Uh, she's the founder of a business called Slip. And we're talking specifically around um, how she's gone about trying to attract more females into her tech team with some general advice. Now, Slipper early on in their journey, but for me, um, I think one of the key things when it comes to diversity and diversity hiring is to try and start uh, the ball rolling as soon as you can um, and get ahead of the game. And Tasha's got some great ideas as to how she's going to do that. And, uh, and yeah, it's a great conversation with some great advice from her. So hope you enjoy it. And of course, if you're enjoying this series of podcasts, please do share it with a friend, like, subscribe, um, tell some about it and uh, help grow the movement. Um, but here, here's Tash. Hope you enjoy it. And growth. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really good. Really good. Thank you. Um, and I look, I think a, a good place as always to start would be if you wouldn't mind just telling us a bit about your background and your career and your journey. Sure. So um, I'm Tash. I'm the founder and CEO at Slip. Um, prior to starting my own company, I was working in management consulting. So after I studied business at university, I decided that management consulting felt like something that was super interesting um, and something that I would enjoy a lot of. So I did a graduate scheme at KPMG, which I'm sure everyone's heard of. And then I moved to a smaller company called Gateworm, where I was more focused on digital transformation. So really looking at how technology is and, and will change businesses and business operations. Um, so I was doing that until I set up my own company uh, about almost a year ago now. So yeah, now I'm an, an entrepreneur, I guess. And what was the inspiration to becoming an entrepreneur and setting up Slip? So I think I've always been a very entrepreneurial driven person. I've always thought like an entrepreneur, acted like an entrepreneur. You know, I'm not saying I was the kid that was selling chocolates at school. Like I wasn't doing that, but I was just fascinated by business. Um, and I think kind of un unintentionally entrepreneurship. Like I loved watching Dragon's Den and The Apprentice and always thought, you know, I could probably do a better job. Um, so I, the, the idea and the kind of background of my business was actually started nothing to do with wanting to start a business. I was standing in Zara on a Saturday afternoon. So anyone that's in Zara on a Saturday afternoon is picturing the long queue that I was standing in. And after waiting for half an hour, I just wasn't allowed to return these leather trousers that the buckle had fallen off. So they were totally unwearable, but I wasn't allowed to return them because I'd lost my paper receipt. And I was so embarrassed, but I was really frustrated. And I actually couldn't believe that in a world where we're paying for products using our phones and watches, that proof of purchase was still wrapped up in a piece of paper. So kind of rewind a year ago, that was the problem I was going out to solve. But then looking at my surroundings of innovation and retail, I then realized what the actual problem I was solving was, which was all around data, um, and combine the two together. And that's really how I started. Um, the company I was working at also had a massive focus on entrepreneurship. They had an internal incubator. They were really pushing for people to go outside their comfort zones and start their own businesses, which is very rare for an employer to do, but something that I really, really valued when I joined and till the day I left. And so were you, it's a, it's a nice organic way to set up a business. I love that. And so were you, in your head, were you thinking, I need an idea, I need an idea, and then you, then you 
got to that queue in Zoe, right, this is it? Or was it just like, oh, this is this has happened, I need to do something about it? No, I, I think that any of my past business ideas were never things that were really problems in my life. You know, me, I've got a very good friend, Molly, and we sit and just come up with the most stupid business ideas and she'll call me like once a week pitching one. And, so, and sometimes they're about like a problem that you've encountered once or a problem that you think someone else has encountered. I didn't have that Zara moment and thought, oh my God, wow, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I actually set out to find solutions to solve my problem because I found it so frustrating and then discovered that there weren't any. And that's really how I kind of went about starting it because I just thought, you know, surely maybe I can solve this problem. Maybe this is the one I should I should set out to do. And it doesn't just affect me, it affects billions of people. Yeah, perfect. Oh, amazing. Well, look, um, today we're going to talk about how to successfully hire female tech talent now i've been working in recruitment for 15 years or so um since about 2010 i've been involved with with thought leadership and tech studies and things like that and i remember back in 2011 we were talking about the average tech teams being made up of no more than 15 percent females and look forward to 2022 we're not that much different in terms of our percentages of our tech teams in general although there's obviously so much so many great schemes out there um but why do you believe we, we have such an issue getting more females into tech? Where do you think the, I suppose, the root root comes from and um, I suppose the day-to-day problems come from it with it? So I think, I think for me it's twofold. I think it's to do with education and role models. I think that when we're talking about our, like my children's generation, I like to think that, that it will have a massive change because there's a lot more younger women coming into tech, you know, and I think that's, that's one thing. I think that the, the biggest challenge, and it was one that they were trying to solve at KPMG when I was there, is technology moves faster than any other part of the business, right? If you have, this isn't to say that it wouldn't, but if you had a job in finance and accounting and you left your job to go and have children and start your family and then you wanted to come back a year, two years, three years later, not much would have changed, right? The, the day-to-day running would still be the same. Yet with technology, because it moves at such a, such a fast pace, you don't have that same return to work rate um, in women. And I think that that's, that's the challenge is that the age where you become a role model to future generations is typically post-children, it's late 30s, it's early 40s when you're in leadership positions. And that's why women aren't getting there because technology moves so, so fast that companies don't have the infrastructure to support women when they're returning to work with how to get back into technology. So I actually think that as much as get women in STEM is important, getting women back in STEM is equally as important to create those role models for the future. So I think that, I, I do think it's, it's becoming different and it's becoming better. But in my opinion, that's the hardest challenge is how do you create these role models? How do you get the women in the leadership positions to then inspire the future? And if maternity leave is one of the key factors in why women don't go back to te- into technology, that is the problem that needs to be solved. And it's not about teaching more girls how to code in school. Of course, that's important, but it's as important to teach boys how to code in school. For me, it's about that those role models and how do we get those role models in, in the big tech companies when they're in their 30s and 40s. Yeah, it's really interesting. I was talking about this with someone the other day, and I think, for me, I think it's one of the key, if you can, 
the sooner you try and fix this problem, the better. Because before you know it, um, if you're a 200 person business, and suddenly thinking, oh, hang on, we've got five white middle class men on the board. Um, it's going to be really hard to fix fix that at that stage. So I think it's assessing it at the beginning, if you can, is the key. But when did you, when when did you identify that you needed to uh, diversify your tech team? And then how did you go about strategizing with the solution to that? Well, I think it was at the very start, you know, part of my whole so, so when you're a woman and you raise venture funding you just join this like one percent club of women that have successfully successfully raised funding so i felt that i actually had a duty and a responsibility to make my tech team diverse because if i only hired white men in my tech team who am i as the face of a tech business to like you know speak about female empowerment and be a female founder if i don't encourage the same diversity within my team so I just said to my tech co-founder, Eddie, who is a guy from the outset, like we are going to have a diverse tech team. And I think that it's like you said, it's setting those goals and expectations from the start that you will go above and beyond to build a diverse team. I think that it can't just be, it can't just be something that happens by coincidence because the tech pool of talent is so heavily dominated by men that if you just kind of do the usual things like job ads on LinkedIn or use a recruiter, you are going to hire a man. You have to go above and beyond to find those women in tech, to find that female tech talent and to nurture them and bring them into your organization. So it, it can't be something that just happens by coincidence. It has to be an active effort. And for me, it was always important from, from the outset. And what, what approach did you decide to take and, and, and why did you, why did you go, go that route? Well, I just think when we were looking, when, whenever we've been looking to hire women, whether it's in tech or non-tech roles, I, I've personally reached out to them a lot of the time, um, just because I felt that female founder to female in tech yeah, has a much better kind of response. I think women do work better with other women. That's not to say all everyone's the same. That's quite that's quite a generalist generalist stereotypical um, suggestion, but I do I do think there's merit in it, and I think that other women in tech get that I'm a woman in tech and I want to build a diverse tech team, it sounds better coming from me than it does coming from a, coming from a man. And, and how is that, uh, what have you seen in terms of the, the difference in your response rates from your outreach based on it being from you rather than a male member of the business? Yeah, it, it's been it's been pretty impressive the difference in our, um, response rates. Like when we first did it, I reached out to ten people, and so had Eddie. And I think six or seven replied to me, even if they said they weren't interested and they were happy in their role. Whereas like two or three replied to him. So you know, again, that could have been a coincidence. I could have reached out to more um, you know responsive people, but I don't think it was. I think that there's there was something about the fact that it was coming from me made a difference. What would what would your advice be um, if you are you know if you if you're not you know if it is just a more of a male driven business and so but you're like right we need to fix this problem um, and actually hire more diverse people in terms of the out, outreach what advice would you give to males who want to reach out to females in terms of their messaging is there anything you you, you found that might work to to help them as well. Yeah, I think I think there's something around talking from the outset about progression. Like I think that women don't just want to be a woman in a tech team to fulfill a diversity statistic. They want to know that they're being brought in because they are A, as good at the job, if not better, and B, there's room for them to grow into that leadership position. So I think talking around that progression is is super important. Um so yeah, I think I think for me that would probably be my number one. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I think one of the key things I always put in my outreach methods, whichever client I'm working with, is what's next. If we, we'll hire you at this position, but this is the route straight away, and I think that really, really is important because people people want to hear about that. And what what steps have you taken um, to make sure that all the way through the hiring process, you're appealing to female tech talent? So it's so easy to lose candidates for whatever reason along that journey. So you've got the outreach, you've got got their engagement. How do you make sure you keep them? Um, so I, I think it's about I, I don't think I don't think that this is a, a secret to men or women. So I, I would probably wouldn't have you know enough experience to come out. We're a team of eight now, so I've only hired seven other people. So I don't think I have enough knowledge. But I think whether it's men or women, I just think it's about really making them feel that they're bought into the company vision. I think that that's something that any small business or startup has an advantage over a big business with that you as a company have a very strong culture and a very strong vision and getting that person excited by that is is probably the most important thing. I don't think that matters whether they're a man or a woman. Yeah, agreed. And um, what are your what are your diversity goals for your tech team moving forwards and as you kind of scale as a business? Um so I think as always I want the business to at least be fifty fifty throughout the entire time. Um, I don't, I, you know, it's natural that there will be times where the tech team is more heavily dominated by men, especially when you are going out to hire heads of engineering and heads of architecture, et cetera, because there aren't, there aren't enough women that have had those heads of roles, maybe for the reasons that we said at the start around those kind of maternity leaves role models. Um, so I'm sure there will be, there, there may be a time where there's more men than women, but I want an organisation as a whole to always have 50-50 gender split. And where do you think, where have you seen or where have you heard or remember where, where have yourself, where, have, where, have you, where do you think companies go wrong when it comes to diversity and hiring? Oh, I think not having leadership um, at the top with a gender diversity split is, is hard because you wouldn't want to be the only man working for 10 women in the same way that you only want to, you, you wouldn't want to be the only woman working for 10 men. So I think that having a good gender diversity at the top of your organization is important regardless of, regardless of who you are. And I think that's where a lot of businesses go wrong, especially startups. You know, a lot of the founding teams tend to be men. So attracting and that woman talent is going to be harder um, because it's less relatable and less, I don't know, some, maybe sometimes less authentic. Um, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. I guess it's it, it's case by case basis. Yeah, absolutely. And inclusion and an inclusive culture is just as important, if more so, than any part of your hiring process when you're trying to build a diverse business. Because it's all very well having a good outreach and good interview process, but if the person gets into the business, and, oh, they don't feel you know comfortable and able to be their the best version of themselves, then it, it's not going to work. So how are you? How have you worked on this so far? And then how are you going to? try and maintain that as you as you scale as a business so i think i think it's just all about having a really really transparent and open culture i actually you know we're only a couple of months in but i'm really proud of the culture that we're building here i think that everyone feels that work is a safe space so that they can talk about anything um and also just being really really authentic as a leadership team you know there's nothing really that's off limits to talk about in our office if someone's having problem with something or someone whether that's work or personal life I think that it's about being very friendly in your kind of leadership style that people feel like they can talk to you about things so I think that inclusivity is is super important and there's ways that you can build 
an inclusive culture, even by the way you do your actual work. I think sometimes people think that culture is like an extracurricular activity to build when it's really not like the way that you conduct your team meetings when you're talking about your work for the week is your culture. So the way that we, you know, we'll have an idea to decide on and it will be between two social media posts. Yeah, even the developers will have an input over which one they prefer. That's how you create an inclusive culture by telling people that no idea is a stupid idea. Everyone has an input regardless of whether it's your part of the business. Um, and I think that by doing that in your work, you create a culture that just spans a whole organization. So I think there's too many people that see culture as like part of HR. It's not, it's, it's part of your work. 100% agree with that. What, what's the, what do you, what's, what's your vision for how you want people to feel if they're working at Slip? That's a great question. I think I want everyone to feel like they're part of building something that's really, really special. I think that's probably the best thing about working at a startup, regardless of what they're doing, that you are employee number five or employee number seven or even employee number 20 in this small organization that's out to make big change. So I think for me, I want everyone to feel really empowered. Like I think empowered is a great word. I think that I want them to come to work and really feel like they're making a difference. They they have the ability and the potential to like create something amazing, um, regardless of where they sit in the company. So I think empowered um, for sure, and also free. I want people to feel like they're free to make decisions, to make choices, um, to work in the way that suits them best, to design in the way that suits them best. Um, so I think that kind of freedom and empowerment is is a nice way to think about it yeah absolutely and what, what advice what final advice would you give to businesses in general who are just looking to build more diverse tech teams what's the, what's the headlines for you i think there's something around investing in graduates like there's a lot more graduate female tech talent than there is kind of two three year along tech talent um so i think create partnerships with like universities and, and societies that then you are kind of the first port of call that their tech talent goes to look at because most of the engineers are just going to get software jobs at Amazon and Google and Facebook because they're hiring like thousands a year. So create those relationships early on with the good good developers. Um, and then I also think, don't, don't think about your tech team as just developers. I think you know anyone that works in UX or UI design or product is still seen as working in tech. And I think that's where there's a lot more female talent and that's where you can start building more diversity in your tech team, even if they're not, you know, developers who have studied computer science. So I think those are probably my two pieces of advice. Bring, see the whole team as a tech team, like anyone that has an impact on product is your tech team um, and create those relationships with kind of societies and universities really early on. Fantastic. Thanks, Tash. Well, look, I'm really excited to see your journey um, with Slip and I'm sure we, I'll be uh, contacting you in six months, a year's time to see how you get on with your tech team and everything else. But thanks so much for being a part of Talent and Growth. If there's anybody out there who wants to reach out to you to just pick your brain about anything at all, what's the best way for them to contact you? Um, feel free to kind of connect on LinkedIn. It's Tash Rossman and I'm the founder of Slip. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much, Tash. Thanks for, thanks for being a part of Talent and Growth.